Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you joined us. Today I want to talk to you about this big idea. It is this, God's attention is on our action over your intention. God's attention is on your action over your intention. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but it is not the, but its end is to the way to death. James 4, 17, Jesus' brother, he says this, a good, he says this, so whosoever who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. And Jesus even goes on and he says this right here in Matthew chapter 7, verses 17 through 20, he says this, a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Let me say it again. Our big idea this morning is this. God's attention is on our actions over your intentions. Let's pray this morning. If you'll bow your heads with me, if you're joining us online or wherever you may be. Lord, we give you this time right now. We worship you. We praise you. We look at your word and may we leave here better than the way we came in. In your great and holy name, we all say amen. Well, yeah, it's a good day to be here. We're excited that you are with us right now. Well, how many know that we have some, sometimes you've heard that saying, good intentions pave the road to what? Good intentions pave the road to hell, right? Like you've heard that saying before? Did I say it right? You know, I, no one's ever said it. Good intentions, well-intended people, those moments that aren't acted upon can lead our way to a dire situation. In fact, there's been some... Uh, incidences in history where people were well-intended but didn't really act with the proper action. The, the first one is this. Anybody ever heard of the Osborne Reef? The Osborne Reef is a couple miles off Fort Lauderdale here in the Peninsula, Florida area. And it was this great idea that we would take these rubber tires and dump them into the ocean and let this natural coral grow around them, right? Well, we know that hurricanes are pretty powerful in this area of the world. So they come through, they knock the tires in through the currents, and they crush all the natural growing coral. Bad idea. Good intention gone wrong. Or maybe there's this, uh, there's this idea in 1950s, the, the great sparrow uh, incident that happened over in Asia. What was happening was this that these sparrows, these birds, were eating all the grains, the crops, and, the, and these different uh, elements that were being harvested. And so what was happening, famine was rising. So the governments over in Asia decided to kill all the sparrows, okay? They went after these birds. What they didn't account for was the sparrows ate the grasshoppers. And the grasshoppers ate two times the amount 
of food that the sparrows did. The grains and the crops were destroyed at a quicker rate. Or anybody ever heard of ethanol was going to replace gasoline, right? Did you know that ethanol actually takes more energy and more gas than it does to produce gasoline itself? Some good intentions gone wrong. We've all been there where we've had good intentions, where we've had well-intended mindsets, but the actions didn't really measure up. Maybe you've come home one day and you're going to take that pause, that deep breath, be present with your family. But man, that kid, they said something to you and you're instantly tired and you trip like that and you start leashing out in your words. Or maybe you had the great intention of, hey, I'm gonna attend church a little more often. I'm gonna, I'm gonna attend it three or four times this month. And when you look back, you've only made it there one time. Or maybe you're like, I'm gonna have patience with my spouse. I love my spouse, I'm gonna have patience today. But man, they didn't make dinner the right way and you are frustrated, right? Good intentions gone wrong. Today we've all been hit with this idea of having good intentions, but really when it comes down to it, as we're reminded with what Jesus said, it's not about good intentions, it's about our actions. It's not about good intentions, it's about our actions. So for the rest of our time today, we're going to be looking at four tripping hazards of well-intended people, four tripping hazards of Christians, of Christ followers, and we're going to be looking at this story in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. And so the question I want to ask you and want you to put in the forefront is this. Where do you need to put the cone that's going to flag, that's going to bring that precaution in your life when we go through these tripping hazards found in 2 Samuel? Are you going to put it right there in the pothole where you say, hey, I'm aware of that incident. I'm aware of my attitude. I'm aware that can make me redline in my mind. Am I going to be present so I can combat what might come my way? I think it's important. Some of the best offense is understanding the defense, being preventative versus reactionary. So tripping hazard number one for us is this. We allow complacency to invade the celebration. We allow complacency to invade the celebration. Life is a gift. Some of you understand how precious life is and how quickly life can go from being great to being inundated with different circumstances. Some of you have maybe experienced some real hurt, relational pain. Whatever the case might be, we know that life is a gift. And we allow, going back to our hazard is this, we allow complacency to invade our celebration. We celebrate life, and we find this in 2 Samuel chapter 6, 1 through 5. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000 strapping, good-looking young men like Pastor Chris up here who did our prayer time. And David arose and went out with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up the ark of God. Now the ark of God, for some of you might be new, is the physical presence of God in the Old Testament. It's what he resided in with his people. It's what his people brought honor and tribute to. So the ark of the God is this very sacred possession, the most sacred possession that Israelite nation could have. 
Now the Israelite nation, they are just excelling. They are doing great right now. Both kingdoms, Israel, Judah, they're together. They're prospering. King David is ruling. He is doing amazing things. And everybody is living their best life. Verse 3, some details pop out to us. And it says, And they carry the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on a hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart. Now I have a picture, I believe, that's on the screen. And this is typically how they would carry the, the Ark of the Covenant. I don't know if it's going to pop up for us, but typically it would take this Levitical tribe and they would put it uh, four men who, were, who would go through the, the certain uh, uh, sacraments, they would go through the certain process, ritual, and they would hold the Ark of the Covenant. So it would almost be like a pole here, a man would be sitting there or standing there, there, four points, if you maybe are picturing what I'm saying. So they would hold it like this. Well, you notice this detail in the, the verse or in the scripture is this, a new cart. These men were in the, the midst of the greatest celebration. They got their most sacred possession back, understanding the context of what's going on. Whenever we read scripture, its context is king. The Philistines, they relinquished who were the Israel, whose Israelites greatest army. They gave the cart back. They gave, they gave the ark of, the, of God back to the Israelites. And when they gave the ark back to the Israelites, they sent it away on a cart. So these Israelites, they received, they're transporting this ark of God, the ark of God, back to the city of David, Jerusalem. And they do it the way their enemies did it. They didn't go back to the foundation. They didn't go back to the fundamentals. They didn't go back to the original way to carry the ark. They made it on a new cart. And we see that twice. How many of you know sometimes just because it's new doesn't mean it's better? I mean, if you ever sit in one of those classic cars, you're like, oh man, like this is American muscle. And now sometimes you're sitting in an aluminum tin can and you're like, hopefully I survive, right? A new cart. That's how they transported the ark of the Lord. In verse 4, in the ark of God, Ohio went before the ark. So not only was it strapping, strong young men, it was selected men. Ohio and Azua, they were men of the Levitical tribe who resided in the, the, the Levitical. They're probably the most, arguably the most anointed men of all of the land to be in that proximity, to lead the way. And in verse 5, And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. It was a party. The celebration was going on. People were loud. People were screaming. And in that celebration, complacency occurred. Did anybody check the new cart? Complacency happens at, to all of us at any moment. Sometimes when we're in our best parts of our life is when we need to be most aware of when complacency can seep into our life. When everything's going great, am I aware of what's maybe to come? That posture of humility, am I keeping that? 
complacency can impact us all. It can come in the midst of the greatest celebration of all the land. But did anybody check the new cart? So I think sometimes when we're going through those valley moments, we're a little leaned in, we're a little more in tune, because all we can do is rely on who God is in our life. It's at the, the mountaintop experience that complacency can kind of seep into our life and we don't even know. You know, you see that cone and, or you see that wet floor sign in the hall and you just kind of walk by it. You don't even pay attention really to it. You just see it out of the peripheral of your eye, that yellow sign. Maybe that water spilled a little further than the sign led on. See, God's attention isn't about necessarily the celebration. God's attention today is about our worship. Pastor Steph, he mentioned earlier through his song and just singing and leading us this morning is God's attention is on our worship. Are we praising God in good times? Or are we praising God in great times? Are we praising God when it's hard? Or are we praising God when it's good? Sometimes we want to take a step back. When everything's good, uh, you know, I can, I can maybe take a, a moment to myself this weekend. I, I can do whatever I would like, but God's saying, hey, are you worshiping at all times? Are you worshiping? Are you allowing, not complacency to seep into your life, but are you keeping that perspective of what it means to always worship? In Peter's first sermon, to, uh, his, the, to the very first church in the book of Acts, he says this in Acts chapter 2, 21, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's this emphasis, seek God always. The very first commandment that the Israelite nation is given is Exodus chapter and chapter 20 is this, have no other gods before me. Don't give up focus throughout always in our posture are we having this mentality of worship that's god's attention on us another tripping hazard for us is this when we look at this story is this we try to fix what is out of our control if there is anything we learn about this past year and a half there's a lot of things out of our control second samuel chapter 6 verses 6 through 7 says this and when they came to the threshing floor of Nikon, Uzzah put out his hand on the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Verse 7, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error, and he died there beside the ark of God. I remember when I was younger and I first read this story, I was like, this man had good intentions. He was trying to protect the most cherished item in all the land from collapsing. And because of that, he loses his life. You take a step back and you scratch your head in our humanity like, God, why would you allow that? What God is saying right here in this story when we look at this scripture is this, that God's ways will always be before us, higher than ours. His thinking is greater than ours. Nothing we do, every good intention will never surpass who God is. That was set before, that was established. Uzzah, this man, arguably the most anointed man in all the land understood that. But he acted with a good intention, but his action 
met a consequence. You might be in here right now and you might be going through some things where you're trying to fix what is out of your control. You might be trying to fix that void and of loneliness. And so you're spending some interesting nights around town. You're spending them with interesting people. You're trying to fill something that is unfillable. You can't stop the pain. You're in emotional turmoil. You're in distress. And so you turn to self-medication through alcohol and, and different drugs. And you're hung up there. And you're trying to fix what ultimately is out of your control. Or maybe there's people in your life that you're wrestling with, that things are happening. And you're trying to fix them when really, rather than trying to fix what's out of your control, your attention and intention should be on is your action focusing and releasing that control to God. See, they were in a, in a joyous, they were these people, 30,000 people marching to the city of Jerusalem. Things were going great. And Uzzah tried to take things in his own way. See, God's attention isn't on how we control the situation. God's attention is on how we release the control. God's attention is on how we release control. Matthew 6, Jesus is talking about this because, as you know, it is hard to release some of our possessions and our material items. Matthew 6, Jesus is speaking to a group of people and he says this, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. I think there's a lot of times in our lives where we try to white knuckle the situation we don't want to release it we don't want to give it up we want to hold on to it we want to grip it and never let it go but it's it's nice whenever we can say you know what god i i understand the situation in life that maybe you've gone through something and you have to release control because the only way you're going to get through this tragedy in your life is by saying god you come in and you take control there's moments when we need to put the cone down and saying, God, I, I'm well aware that I am not in control. Only you are. Only you can see me through. See, Uzzah, he's this man who had great intentions. He tried to stop the most cherished possession. But he forgot, hey, God's in control. Let God handle the situation follow, live in obedience. First and foremost, Uzzah, we need to establish and look, seek God's kingdom above it all. Seek God's kingdom above it all. Tripping hazard number three for us is this. We make a decision based on fear and self-pity. We continue on as we march through the text. It says this in 2 Samuel 6, 8 through 11. And David was angry. The king observed this man, this Levite. He lost his life and the situation wasn't even his fault. It says the oxen stumbled. And David, he's frustrated. He's broken out against Uzzah. And this place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. 
And David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? See, we see this fear rise up, and then we see self-pity enter into the equation with David. This bad incident happens. His response is, if it happens to him, then it can happen to me. See, fear has this way of playing tricks in our mind where it's this selfish. It goes from being about the team to then, uh-oh, what's going to happen to me? I mean, we see this in evidence, right? Whenever a hurricane is on its way and we're praying for the victims of Ida, we talk about that midweek on Wednesday. We'll continue to pray with all the hurt and pain that's going on and the flooding that's going throughout the nation. But what happens when a hurricane is coming our way? You go to the store, you try to purchase items, and the, the shelves are all wiped clean. I mean, when COVID-19 hit, we couldn't find toilet paper. We were, where are all the items? Because what fear does, and rather than saying, hey, maybe someone else might need something, we say, I need to take what is mine now. I need to take it. I need to put it in my possession. I need to make sure that I have control over it. And we have no regard for what is or who is coming behind us. David, he saw Uzzah lose his life. He says, I don't want the Ark of the Covenant near me. I'm going to push it away. I'm going to actually give it to another person. Can you imagine being that other person? The Ark of the Covenant is now mine? Is in my possession? So David, in verse 10, was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David, but David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And I love this line. And the Lord blessed Odom-Edom and all of his household. See, fear makes us do some interesting things. Fear makes us miss out. I love what my favorite theologian, he says this, A.W. Tozer, in How to Be Filled with the Holy Spirit, he says, fear is of the flesh. Panic is of the devil. See, God's attention, contrary to how David acted, God's attention is on his proximity to us. That's why we have our midweek gathering. It's our worship. It's our prayer service. We have kids. We have kids activities. We have youth activities. I want to encourage you. If you need a pickup, if you need a a, 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 a positive push in your life, join us midweek at seven p.m. on Wednesdays. Because God's asking. God wants to draw close to us. James four a says this: Draw near to me, and He will and draw near to you. Draw near to me and he will draw near to you. See what's interesting, David, he sees this tragedy. If it happens to him, it can happen to me. And then he takes a step back and he says, I don't want the presence of the Lord near me. Interesting detail. When God is saying, if, I, if you are near my presence, you will be blessed. Tripping hazard number four for us is this. We allow others to lead in our place. We've been talking about all morning that we might have the best intentions and we might be following, but we might be missing following through with our actions. See, David didn't want the ark near him, so he puts it in Obed's house. But maybe there's an area that we need to look at in our lives. Where am I letting someone else lead when I know God has called me to lead in that area? 
Maybe there's an area of obedience that you need to hand over. Maybe there's somewhere you can get involved in our church. Maybe it's serving at the greeters. I mean, I love walking in and see all these smiley faces or in our next-gen kids or in our youth ministry. Or maybe it's tech or maybe it's on the worship team. Maybe you're saying, I I don't really want to lead out in there when you're missing out on God's blessing in your life. See, David finally gets it right, and we read in 2 Samuel 6, 12 through 15, there's three months that go by. David catches wind. All this blessing is happening to Obed. He wants some of that. In verse 12, and it was told King David, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed and all that belongs to him because of the Lord of, because of the ark of God, because Obed was in his presence. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David rejoicing. So he gets it right. David understands God's attentions on his posture of worship. David's finally like, I'm going to dance, I'm going to move, I'm going to groove because the ark is coming. In verse 13, and, and when those who bore the ark of God of the Lord, gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. Notice they don't use a cart right here. They carry it like they did originally. They said, you know what? God, we're going to give you control. We're going to do what you've asked us to do, and we're just going to follow, and we're going to worship you in that time. And David danced before the Lord, the scripture says, all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod, I'm sorry with that word. And David danced and he relaxed, trusting it was all about God. He was trusting that it was all about God, that it was his praise, that that's what he was going to be consumed about, but it was his proximity So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord, shouting with the sound of the horn. And the ark came to the correct place, and David's house was blessed. See, God's attention is on blessing his people. God's attention is on blessing his people. I love what the Gospel of John says in the very first chapter, verse 16. It says this, Out of the fullness of his grace, he has blessed us all, giving us one blessing after another. If you read on in the life of David, God makes a covenant with him and some chapters later. Israel is prosperous and we see God's blessing reign throughout. I want to encourage you, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're fighting, no matter what is happening in your life, maybe there was a stumble in your life when it wasn't even your control. See, God's attention is on our action over our intention. I want to encourage you, let's not be people of intention, let's be people of action. Let's be people saying, hey, I'm going to praise the Lord no matter what. When it's good, I'm going to praise Him. When it's bad, I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to praise God no matter what I face, no matter what situation comes my way. I'm going to release that control of my life, and I'm going to give it over to God. Maybe it's those moments in your life and saying, hey, God, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm trying my best to be obedient. 
Maybe you just need to serve in a posture and say, God's going to bless you. It might come in a way you don't expect. It might, do some, it might be something that you couldn't even imagine, but receive God's blessing. See, Matthew 7, we'll go back to this, when Jesus says this, a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. As we conclude this morning, our hope for you is, first and foremost, we believe that our hope for you is that you start a relationship with Jesus. When you start a relationship with Jesus, he'll bring a blessing in a way you can't even imagine. When we say we start a relationship, we say that he's conquered the grave, that God raised him, that he has conquered death, sin, that he's taken our place on the cross. And when we start that intimate relationship with him, then our life is rebirth. We're a new birth. Some of you in here, I truly believe that God wants to bless your life. And when we take that step, it's by saying, God, I want to start a relationship with you through your son, Jesus. Or maybe there's some of you in here this morning. Maybe we need to evaluate our heart or if you're watching online, am I living with action or am I settling with intention? Do I need to praise God when it's good and when it's bad? Do I need to release that control of my life? Do I need to be in that place to receive his blessing? Do I need to get involved? Do I, do I need to serve? See, it's been said, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Right now, we have an opportunity, no matter where we're listening to this message, this talk at, to live with an action, to be led with an action, to be an example of action. So we're going to enter this last final worship song with Pastor Steph and team, and I want to encourage you, no matter what you're facing, be people of action. When we leave these doors, when we leave this room and go into our community, are we people that are saying, hey, I'm going to be the best Bible someone else has ever read? Am I going to be that person of action versus, ah, oh, you know, I'll do that tomorrow. God's going to bless this church. God's blessed this church from 80 years past to 80 years in the future. He's going to do amazing things. See, we're always going to elevate his word, his ways in our life here at Faith Assembly. And I pray that over you, that you elevate his words, his ways in your life. Let's pray. Lord, right now we give you this time and praise as we reflect and as we work through your word this morning and apply it to our lives. Lord, we see your attention isn't on our intentions, but it's on our action. Lord, we pray right now that we become people of action, that we become people of, uh, of 
pursuing you, that we want to live in a proximity with you, that we want to praise you, that we want to give you control. Lord, that we want to be in a position to to receive your blessing. Lord, right now, for those who are starting a relationship with you through your son, Jesus, I pray a special blessing on their lives. I pray that you lead them. I pray that they have a moment that's changing their trajectory. And Lord, for those of us who are battling, just settling for being people of intentions, I pray that you give them an energy and a passion to this week and today to be people of action. So God, continue to minister in our hearts, be with our minds as we give you this time. In your great and holy name, we all say, Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday Morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.